0: Welcome to the Photo Banter podcast. I'm your host Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Art Stryber. Art Stryber is one of the leading entertainment and celebrity portrait photographers in the business. He has photographed everyone from Barack Obama, Steven Spielberg, Emma Watson, and Mark Zuckerberg to name a few. His work has appeared on the covers of magazines such as Wired, ESPN the Magazine, Vanity Fair, and Fortune to name a few. Art's work has also appeared on movie posters for movies such as Pineapple Express, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and Knocked Up. In this interview, I speak to Art about some of his early assignments, keys to managing a business, and how he approaches each assignment. Art is someone who I've looked up to for a long time, so it was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him, and I hope you guys really enjoy this one, and thanks so much for listening. Well, Art Streiber, I just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time to come on here.
1: My pleasure, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess just to kind of start off, uh, I was just kind of curious, uh, where did you grow up and what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography?
1: Well, I grew up in um, Southern California, in West Los Angeles, and I was always around cameras There were cameras in the house. Um, My father, you know, had an old Nikon F, but my grandfather on my mother's side, excuse me, was a very avid amateur. He had his own darkroom and I spent hours in the darkroom with him and um, processing, you know, black and white film and, um, you know, just watching the magic of, you know, seeing a, a print come up in a tray and when I was in about eighth grade, he sold me and my brother paul um a canon a e one and a fifty millimeter lens for eight dollars wow and um which I think was a great deal even at the time yeah. and um and I just went to um to school back to you know junior high and started shooting for the newspaper and the yearbook, and eventually became the photography editor of the newspaper and the yearbook in high school. Um, and that was kind of the, the starting point.
0: Wow, that's exciting. So when you kind of first got into it, um, what were you kind of interested in photographing? Was it always people for you,
1: or what, what were kind of some
0: of those early things you were kind of shooting?
1: Um, yeah, it was people. It was portraits. Um, it was, because I was working for the school paper, I really... Thought that photography was about photojournalism, you know. I thought it was about event coverage and sports and and news. And when I got to college, you know, I went to work immediately for um, the school paper and was, you know, I I was a huge fan of Time, Life, Newsweek, Sports Illustrated, and you know the photojournalists of the seventies, uh, eighties, and nineties those were my those were my heroes, mm-hmm. you know I didn't really know, and to be fair um the, the kind of portraiture that we're all immersed in today didn't really exist
0: yeah, oh, that's interesting. What do you think um kind of drew you to photojournalism what kind of what kind of made you interested in that you think when you started out?
1: Well, I was at the newspaper, yeah. so that's what I thought photography was, and I liked. The news, I liked um, the immediacy. I liked being, you know, kind of in the action. I liked the challenge of, you know, trying to capture the news event or the moment or the meeting or the sporting event in one two or three photos. That was a real challenge to me.
0: Mm, yeah definitely and with all i mean i know you do a lot of editorial work now H- have you always just kind of enjoyed working like in, a, in an assignment realm like getting an assignment and having to like create something within like certain parameters is that something you've always kind of enjoyed
1: you know what that is a fantastic question that nobody's ever asked me and yes i come from assignment photography you know i um i i kind of call it you know the labrador retriever model you know Throw the ball. I'll go get it. Throw the ball. I'll get it. I'll get it. Throw it in the water. I'll get it, um, and um, really enjoy um, getting an assignment and dealing with the challenges of the assignment.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because each one is uh, different uh, in on their own and the new challenges and whatnot. That's kind of the exciting thing I would imagine for you. It's just you never know what's gonna, it is. what's going to get thrown at you on a on a weekly basis. Um,
1: yes, absolutely. And that has you know, kind of been, you know, the foundation of my career, which is, um, having a magazine say, okay, we don't know how you're going to get this done. Can you get it done? And, um, my driving ethos has been the answer is yes. Now what's the question?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, which I learned from my uncle, um, You know, he was the director of major gifts at the Stanford Athletic Department, and he would get phone calls from, you know, major donors, you know, asking for the impossible. And he would always say, you know, he would answer the phone. The answer is yes. Now it's the question. And I've made a career out of saying yes um, to some really crazy things and having to figure out how to get them done.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that's one thing. I was watching a video uh, Vanity Fair did on you, I think, and you were shooting, it's a pretty famous photo you've done with Seth Rogen, and you guys were, like, in a field, and there was, like, a plane uh, going above him, and you were shooting, like, on a truck. And the, mm-hmm. the thing that I found interesting about it was you were talking about you rented this whole field, and, but you guys needed, like, 500, I think it was, like, 500 square feet or something. I forget what it was. Uh, to be able to photograph there, and it the the shoot got shut down because behind you there was like guys farming, and they wouldn't allow you to fly the plane over um, which I that heard, is correct and in those situations where you're working editorial, you have to like kind of talk your, talk your way out of certain situations and make stuff happen really quickly um, that is exactly right is and that not some, only talk
1: yourself not only talk yourself out you got to talk yourself in you know um you know, but you're doing a lot of. A lot of you know fast decision making and thinking on your feet, and you know making you know snap decisions. Um, and that is exactly right.
0: And being able to, like, read the situation and certain personalities, do you feel like that's, like, a skill that you've always kind of had? Because I would imagine with editorial, you're photographing all different types of people. I know you do, like, celebrities, but then you deal with, like, business guys, and then you might do, shoot, like, a farmer, and you you have to be able to, like, deal with, like, talking to different people that are coming from, like, different backgrounds. Is that something you think you've... That always... is
1: another yeah. fantastic question nobody's ever asked me. You're two for two. <laughs> it's all right. I'm keeping score. <laughs> I'm trying. And, um... And seriously, that's really true, because um, not only do you have to do your homework and be curious about people, but I tell people, you know, I tell, um, you know, aspiring photographers in high school and college, take psychology classes, take sociology classes, you know, be genuinely interested in um, humanity. And, you know, I... As much as I love photographing a CEO or a, you know, an actor, actress, mm. I love photographing a farmer. Yeah. You know, each, like all of them, each of them, interesting, exciting, dynamic in their own way.
0: mm yeah, definitely. I, I Like, looking at your work, I know you shoot all the celebrities and stuff, but, like, some of my favorite work is this, like, uh, this, like, kind of, like, everyday people you'll shoot. Like, uh, I think you did, like, there was a cool story you did. You photographed, like, a guy and his dog. I believe it was, like, in Nebraska or something. Montana. We, yeah, Montana. And that stuff's is so interesting to me because those people's don't, stories don't get told as much, like – I've seen a photo of, like, Tom Hanks, like, a million times, but those those photos, are, I, I'm really attracted to that stuff you do um, more than anything, I think, because you get a glimpse into someone's life that you normally wouldn't, and that's kind of what's exciting for me about that's photography. That's really,
1: really, really true, and I love nothing more than getting on a plane and going someplace um, that I've never been and meeting, you know, somebody that guy was a a writer and um a hunter and just talking to him was so interesting Hmm. um yeah i love those kinds of assignments
0: yeah and i guess just to go back a little bit um Was there like a point when you were kind of growing up or uh, that you kind of decided you're going to take it more seriously and you thought you're going to make this a career? Like, did you end up studying photography in school or where did that kind of begin? Like where you kind of started to take things more seriously and think this could be a future for you?
1: Well, ironically, the grandfather that had the darkroom um, sat me down before I went to college and said, you know, photography is an avocation it's not a vocation. It is a hobby, not a job because that's what it had been for him. And I said, yes, sir, absolutely. I totally get it. Totally understand. Um, and I was going to his alma mater. Um, he went to Stanford. I went to Stanford and I got to Stanford and I just went straight to the newspaper, started shooting. He passed away in the middle of my sophomore year, never got to see me be a photographer. Um, but I loved the process. I loved going out, using this instrument to capture a moment, processing the film, developing it into the darkroom, seeing if I got the moment, printing the, you know, I loved the process. I loved the, if you do this, then this will happen kind of thing. Yeah. And my, my father was a banker and I didn't get it. I didn't understand what he did when he sat at his desk. I, I because I didn't see a process. Um, now when I sit at my desk, believe me, I get it. Yeah. There's a lot of paper, a lot of paper to push around. So, um, you know, once I, you know, was in college, I kind of said, I want to do this for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like. Uh... For me, I think photography, I was talking to my friend, it's almost like a a kind of a lifestyle in a sense. It's like something you – like I feel like I can't not do it. Like I just want to keep seeing where it goes. And the one thing I want to talk to you about is I'm kind of interested in is some of those early jobs you got. Because I think a lot of people could look at your website like younger photographers and be like, oh, you know, Art just like woke up one day and he started shooting these big posters um, for like movies and stuff. But, like, what are kind of some of those early jobs you were doing and kind of help you progress to where you are now? Like, what were kind of those first assignments?
1: Um, you're three for three. I'm <laughs> checking that off. Fantastic question. <laughs> yeah. Um, When I lecture um, at the Palm Springs Photo Festival, the lecture is about making a career from editorial photography, mm-hmm. which, I'm going to be honest, is not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. Um, It's gotten harder, but 15 years ago, 20 years ago, my wife and I moved back to Los Angeles in 1993, so 27 years ago. um, I was almost exclusively shooting for magazines, and I was shooting for every single magazine I could. I was shooting kids. I was shooting travel. I was shooting fashion. I was shooting weddings, I was shooting portraits, I was shooting reportage, I was shooting parties, I was shooting still lifes. And I shot everything. And like I said, I made a career out of saying yes. And some people make a career out of saying no and really, you know, defining their path. I made a career of answering the phone saying, yep, I'll shoot it, sure, whatever it is. And it got to the point where my studio manager, my wife, my first assistant were like, w- why are you shooting that? And I'd say, because they called, <laughs> you know, couldn't help myself. Yeah. So, but <clears throat> every single one of those assignments helped me understand more about photography and informed the next assignment, like I shot a lot of interiors. Yeah. I did the early days of InStyle magazine, I shot fifty five different interior stories. Literally at home with celebrities. And you're not gonna find that stuff on any on my website, it's ancient. But in one day, we were shooting, you know, a dozen rooms, we were shooting close ups, and we were doing, you know, portraits of people in their homes. So now, like the other day, We had to build a set and, in a studio, make it look naturally lit. So, my old interior work helps me understand how to light a set and make it look like it's lit for real. Yep. So, the the short answer to your question is, I shot everything and everything helped me, you know, informed the next thing I was going to
0: shoot. Hmm. Now, I think that's smart. I think, you know, I know you mentioned you shot weddings, and I'm interested to have this conversation with you because I think, I don't know why, but the wedding photographers kind of get like a bad rap for some reason. Yes, like, they do. And I don't get it because for me, um, like I've shot weddings before, and to me, if you're a good wedding photographer, you're, you're a badass because there's no other job like that because it's like it only happens once. There's no mess ups. There's no redos, and you gotta like work with different lighting situations like so quickly. Um, I I I think that's amazing to hear that you did that before. Like, what do you think about shooting weddings? Like, what did you kind of learn from doing some of that stuff back in the day?
1: You're four for four, (laughs) and here's why: weddings have photojournalism. They've got decisive moment. They've got still lifes. You could do a group shot. You can do single portraits. You could put up the seamless. Yep. You are shooting on-camera flash, off-camera flash, mm-hmm. no flash. Like, it's got everything, and it's got high pressure, and it's got crazy clients oh yeah
0: family members fighting with each other either
1: the bride is crazy (laughs) the mother of the bride is crazy oh yeah the mother of the groom is crazy (laughs) or the groom is crazy or they're all crazy yeah you know and they're amped yeah so weddings are fantastic
0: yeah yeah, I I agree. I, I I just never understood why people got a bad rap for shooting weddings. Because in my mind, if you're a photographer, you're a photographer. If you're like a commercial photographer, you take whatever's thrown at you and you like put your twist on it and kind of you build on it. Like you said, you're shooting everything and you kind of started building your skill set. And then you got to the point where you probably branched off and you kind of did. You feel like you kind of created a niche for yourself at
1: one point. Well, I, I think I have, and I think what happened was I was, you know, kind of in. I don't know if you'd call it the right place at the right time, but I was in a place at a time. I was in L.A. when celebrity culture ate the media. You know, when I I first got into magazines, I don't know if any of your listeners will believe me, celebrities were not on the cover of fashion magazines. Hmm. Models were on the cover of Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, W, Glamour. Allure. Um, It it was models. And then sometime in the kind of mid-90s, late 90s, and I don't remember, I'm going to have to do some homework as to how and why it started. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, celebrities were on the cover. And celebrity culture, you know, went nuts. And 20 years later, we have a celebrity as a president. Yeah. Um, so I was here, I was in LA when, um, you know, the media, you know, first started to be absorbed, um, by celebrities and, um, uh, because I had experience working with celebrities, I started working for television networks and, um, movie studios and, um, but always applying my kind of problem solving skills to the, you know, to this genre. Mm. And the truth is that now all these years later, celebrities have less time than they used to because they're in more demand because there are more outlets and more platforms. Mm. So I've got a cover shoot tomorrow, magazine, celebrity, He's going to give us three and a half hours. That's a lot of time. Yeah. If if you see my Instagram, that Steven Spielberg shoot for Empire Magazine, a couple months ago, Steven had forty five minutes for us. Mm. And I, it's my job to come up with, you know, a bunch of different setups that, you know, have a de- bunch of different, um, you know, kind of compositions and crops in order to give the magazine options and not just the magazine the magazine's instagram the magazine's website
0: yeah definitely yeah it's a lot um and kind of going off that like how you mentioned like you don't get a lot of time um on some of these shoots like i'm sure sometimes you might only get 10 minutes five minutes who knows what would you say to photographers that you know maybe they're just starting out, not starting out, but, you know, younger photographers are starting to shoot editorial and stuff, and, you know, they don't even have, like, resources for assistance, cause, you know, like, like regional editorial, they might only pay you, like, five $500, $600 for a portrait or something. Mm-hmm. How would you tell them to prepare for a shoot where you can't have an assistant, but you still are under those same parameters where you might only get, like, five, ten minutes, say you're photographing a doctor or some lawyer. Um, how would you prepare yourself for shoots like that to walk away with, like, a successful uh, job, I guess?
1: Um, I've lost track, yeah. but I think you're five for five. <laughs> and um, the the answer is a two-parter. Uh. The first part is um, bartend or be a waiter or waitress. And A, you're dealing with people, and B, build up a cash reserve. Mm-hmm. The second part of the answer is, if you can't afford an assistant, find a local high school college kid to come help you for free. Yeah. And if neither of those things are options, then you have to be phenomenally prepared to Do this yourself. And I used to do this myself. Definitely. I used to do it. And a thousand years ago, I was doing a a press junket on a, I don't even remember, movie or television show. And a photographer came in from USA Today. And he came in two or three hours early. We were in a tiny little hotel room. And he set up three different seamlesses, one right behind the other, By himself, three different lighting situations, shooting film, shoot like 10 or 20 frames, great, tore down the seamless, turned on the other light. Wow. 10 or 20 frames, tore down the seamless, turned on the other light. I went, oh, wow. (laughs) You can do this yourself. Yeah. If you are prepared, if you've done your homework, if you've scouted the location, if you've gotten there two or three hours early. You know, you've got to just really be thoughtfully prepared and have your stuff dialed in. It doesn't matter whether you've got three, four, two, one, or zero assistants. Same workflow.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's just preparation and kind of having backups for everything and preparing for things that could go wrong, I guess. Um I guess for, for you, one thing I want to ask, because I know you do tons of portraiture, what do you think is like the key to having like a successful portrait session? Um, is there certain things you do to prepare for each assignment? How do you kind of approach each one as they come along?
1: Um, I do all kinds of homework. I do homework on my subject. I wrap my head around the location. I um, uh, dig in to the story. Why are we photographing this person? What's the peg? Mm. A picture is worth a thousand words. And if you're walking through the airport, supermarket, drugstore, you walk by the magazine rack, you are going to be compelled to stop for one of three reasons. The magazine cover story is something you're interested in. Number two, the word sex is on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> and number three, the picture on the cover of the magazine is so compelling. Mm. You're like, oh my God. Mm. You know? Like Michelle Aslan's, um Time Magazine cover last week of... Um, the, um, the uh,
0: Parkland kids, the,
1: no, well, that's amazing that, you know, that was, yeah, that was sure. Yeah. Um, no, it was, um, a, a mom and two, her two immigrant daughters from the back. You couldn't see the mom.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So in order to do, in order to, to complete a successful portrait shoot, you have to have, Discovered, revealed, illuminated something about your subject that compels your reader to be interested. Mm. And that comes from A, homework, B, being engaging with the subject, knowing how to talk to the subject, knowing how to elicit a performance, for lack of a better word, yep. or an emotion. From the subject, and using the the portrait to maybe have some kind of secondary or tertiary layer mm. you know um behind it,
0: yeah, it definitely kind of creates like a conversation kind of draws you in and you kind of want to find mm-hmm. out find out more about it. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And one thing I've always kind of respected about your work, um, which I, I find interesting, is that looking at your Instagram, um, you kind of show all these different shoots you do, and sometimes you'll be like, on a big sound set with like – it could be like 10 lights, 20 lights, whatever. Um, but then on the other side, you'll you'll break it down, and you might just shoot natural light or maybe this one light. Um and everything seems like it has a purpose. Have you ever felt, like, bogged down with all the gear? Like, do you ever do you ever fa- fall into traps, like, just because just you have it, you need to set it up and use it? Because looking at your work, it, it, everything you set up seems like it has a purpose, and it's not just, like, you're just using it to use it. Because I think sometimes photographers can get bogged down with all the gear, you know?
1: You know, that's a, a really good question as well, because recently my first assistant... Um, executive producer who's been with me for quite a while mm. um she is my uh right brain, my left brain, okay. my support system um, and you know my you know kind of greatest feedback and critic on the set you know will push me to get out of the comfort zone of having a light
2: mm.
1: you know and i I have to get and i so i've gotten back recently into um one light, no light, a handheld reflector. Mm. Um because yeah, you can you know, you can get really, really bogged down. Um tomorrow's shoot is on the beach. Yeah. And um, you know, that Malibu sunlight was good enough for Herbert's. Yeah. You know? Over and over and over again. Herb kicked its butt with No strobes. Mm. No hard lights. Um, Like, he did things with Southern California Daylight that very few people, if any, had ever done before. Yeah. Um, And I'm a huge fan. So, yes, you you do have to be wary of turning those lights um, into a crutch. Mm. Absolutely, yes. And realizing, like... What's the best light for this picture? What's the best light to tell this story? We were photographing um, a film icon on Sunday, and we were photographing him with an iconic piece of wardrobe. Mm. That's all I can say. Okay. <laughs> and we rented a Zoom Spot, ProPhoto Zoom Spot, to throw a light onto this piece of clothing. And it was just not great. It was the wrong light. And I kept looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. And I said, something just feels weird. It feels too stagey. It feels too gimmicky. Mm. And we switched from a zoom spot to an extra small chimera box with a grid, Mm. took it way up high, bathed this thing in light. And I went, that is what this thing should feel like. Yeah. So you've got to have enough kind of experience, time, and guts to go. Eh, that does not feel like didn't not feel right to me.
0: Yeah, just kind of working on the fly and kind of making those uh, changes as you go. Is it is it kind of is that kind of how you work on shoots? Is it? I mean, you, obviously you probably go in with a plan, but is a lot of times are you kind of switching things up how you feel like on the moment, or how does it usually kind of work for you?
1: Absolutely. We did three setups with this guy on Sunday. Mm. Setup number one, we lit him with a projection, and then we went, ooh, let's add a little warm rim on this one and a little cool rim on this one. Yeah. Setup number two was the zoom spot thing, which we worked at and worked at and worked at for 45 minutes. Setup number three, we put up one light in one spot, And and it was perfect. Mm. So I would say, I don't know, 60-40, 70-30, you know, 60% of the time I get it right. And, you know, 40% of the time I'm tweaking, 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 tweaking. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then one thing I was going to ask you, being that you're a portrait photographer and you're dealing with all different types of people, Um, And I'm sure you run into it sometimes. Um, How do you kind of deal with like tough personalities and situations where people, you know, probably the last thing they want to do in their day is have their picture taken and it's just like another task for them. Um, How do you kind of mediate those situations because like at the end of the day you still need to deliver like a badass photo to your client. How do you kind of work with those situations?
1: Um, I introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I talk them through what I'm going to do. Yeah. I assure them that we are not going to waste their time. I tell them that everything's lit and ready to go. Yeah. Um, I guide them through the process. I get them out early. Um, and with famous people and with people that aren't well-known, There is an adage that I've used before, which is, treat celebrities like real people, treat real people like celebrities. So I'm going to make the celebrity feel comfortable and not be sycophantic, throw myself at their feet, Mm. and I'm going to take the chef, the writer, or the fireman and really you know, be interested and talk about what they do. Yep. Um, Because nobody likes having their picture taken. Yeah, definitely. Except models and the Kardashians. (laughs) Nobody likes having their picture taken. And um, a lot of people, like the analogy I make is like, like it's dentistry. Yeah. You know, you don't want to go to the dentist, but you kind of have to go to the dentist every six months.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, So I'm just trying to make the process easy. And when a subject walks away and says, oh my God, that was so easy. Or that was so enjoyable. Or you guys are so professional. That is almost as great an achievement for me as coming away with a great portrait.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. And then I guess like one thing I was going to ask you is being that like you're a lot of these projects are these big productions and um I was just curious how important is it, like the team aspect the people that are, your your crew and everyone working with you how important are they to like what you do And what do you think the keys are to, like, managing all these different people? Because I would imagine that's probably a large part of your job because at the end of the day, you're the captain and you're managing, like, the producer, your assistants, whatnot. Um, What do you think the key is to managing that ship? And, like, is it something that you've always been natural at or is it something you've kind of grown at over time? Or how how does that work?
1: Dude, seriously, I am not blowing smoke up your butt. (laughs) But these are right on the money. So... Managing a crew is something I had to learn. Yeah. And I remember specifically the job. We were on the beach shooting Tommy Hilfiger, a bunch of models. I had hired like five assistants for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they're all standing around. And I'm like, what? I, these guys, what? I thought these were like really great assistants. <laughs> and I realized, oh, crap. I have to direct them. I have to tell them what to do. I have to have a game plan. So, I had to learn how to manage, mm. and not just manage, but lead, inspire, motivate. Um, the analogy, you know, you said captain, perfect example. Um, I use maybe I'll start using captain.
0: Mm.
1: I use quarterback. Yep. Because I got to call the play, but if the front line doesn't block and the wide receivers don't run their routes and the tailbacks can't hold on to the ball we are not going to move the ball down the field yep you know um but i do solicit their input but at the end of the day it's up to me you know my name's on the photos yeah so it is a collaboration it is a team effort And I've heard other photographers talk about how that's not the case, and um, I believe it's a benevolent, you know, dictatorship. Mm. Um, You know, not a democracy, but somewhere in between, Mm. you know? Maybe it's a benevolent monarchy, Um, although that sounds a little bit (laughs) um, self-aggrandizing. So... um, (laughs) But the point is, it's your shoot, yeah. but you have to motivate and move and and, um, yep. and help everybody do their job.
0: Yeah, it's a lot because, I mean, especially – I know you do a lot of advertising as well besides your editorial stuff. And then it's almost – it's even double because not only are you managing your crew, but then you also have to be your, like, client services because you have to, like, make sure your client who's on set, you have to be talking to them. So it's like – it seems – there's so many things you're juggling. Like especially with the advertising stuff, I'd imagine because it's like that other thing because you still gotta deal with your clients and everything because they're spending so much money. That is exactly right.
1: And and my first assistant executive producer Elaine Brown mm. is my secret weapon. Mm. She is the one at the monitor, acting like a very high end concierge.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know,
1: making sure that you know the client is getting what they want, translating it to me. So I've got this phenomenally. Knowledgeable, charming, um, interested, um, personable, secret weapon. Yeah, that's
0: smart. Um, definitely important. Um, and then uh, one thing I was going to ask you, I put out some, I put out some calls to some fellow photographers for some questions because I, to- I told them I was interviewing you. And uh, oh boy, yeah, yeah. One thing um, someone asked me was about you know younger photographers, like when they're trying to break in the business and. Definitely, like there's certain like companies and agencies, or they're just trying to get the foot in the door. What would you say to them about giving away like their copyright or like working for free? Because this stuff, it like really happens, probably more so when you're younger. But um, what would you say to them? Because like obviously they're hungry to get in there in the door, but at the same time you don't want to give everything away. What would you kind of say to them when they're dealing with those type of situations?
1: Um, everybody has to make that decision for his or herself. However, Mm -hmm. if you're going to sign away your copyright for a certain publication or, you know, whatever it is, understand what you're doing at the very least. Read the contracts at the very least. um, Negotiate, push back, Save the document. Understand what you've done, and you might want to make that decision yep. for two or three years to give up your copyright in order to build your portfolio. Yep. I think it's a bad idea, but I do not begrudge people doing it. Mm. Yeah. You know it's... because because magazines have gotten. Crazy, yeah. and they're desperately trying to make money. They think they can make money on photography, which is not a cash cow. Mm-hmm. They are mistaken. Um, that you know, if they you know own the rights to the imagery or share the rights to the imagery, that they will be seeing hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. not the case. But they're trying. Yeah, so I would say tread lightly. Yep. And tread carefully.
0: Yeah, kind of take it by case by case basis and see what works for you, I guess. Um, because I have noticed that even myself, like like some advertising agencies I've worked with, and it seems like a lot of, nowadays. It's almost they want work for hire. They just want to kind of buy out a library, and it's less like usage nowadays. It seems like. Do you kind of see that as a trend yourself, or? I do. Yeah, it's kind of different. Yeah, it's like we're in
1: the middle. We're in the middle of a you know negotiation with an emerging media company. Um they want all kinds of crazy rights. Yeah. And we are pushing back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a hard thing. I mean one thing obviously being a commercial photographer and stuff running a business is a very important thing um is running a business something you've always kind of been natural at like have you always been kind of business minded and like what are kind of some of the things that you do to kind of help organize yourself and kind of streamline things and uh, operate smoothly
1: another fantastic question and i had to learn how to run this business um and I'm a very, very big believer in the whole left brain, right brain thing. Mm. And um, if you don't have, if you're an artist, yep. first and foremost, you don't have that incl- inclination or desire, then hire somebody, anybody, husband, wife, partner, friend, brother, sister, mother, father, and uncle, cousin, agent. Get somebody to help you run your business because this is a business. You are running a small business. Yeah, definitely. Um, And my my lecture at the Palm Springs Photo Festival is an all day on my feet, eight hours of me talking, um, four different keynotes, and one of them is managing your business, managing your career. And I open with, you are running a small business. Mm-hmm. This is a business. Um, we used to have interns that would come in and say, I just want to be on set. <laughs> and we would say, well, you can't. You have to be in the office two days, two days a week, and then you can be on set. Yeah. And the value of seeing, the organization, the pre-production, the post-production, the archive management, the job management is huge.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's
1: huge. You are running a business.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's probably like 90% of what you do is just dealing with the back end and production and everything. 10% of it is like actually picking up the camera and taking pictures. It feels like sometimes, you know. Mhm. Um, but yeah. it's That is
1: exactly right.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, um, but enough business talk. Uh, uh, one shoot I was going to ask you about I was really interested about that you've been involved with I think a few times now um, was ESPN, the magazine's The Body Issue. Um, yes, sir. And I know you photographed there was a really cool shot you did with the water polo team, and then you shot Antonio Brown. Um, how is it working on that um, issue? Because now it's become pretty iconic and kind of like a – like a, almost like a benchmark goal for a lot of photographers to be a part of that issue. Um, when you're working on that, had you shot nudes or anything before that? Or what was kind of your experience working on those projects? Um,
1: I really don't have any experience with nudes. Yeah. And, you know, athletes are, for the most part, proud of their bodies. But that doesn't mean they're exhibitionists. Yep. They do spend an inordinate amount of time Naked with other people, yeah, in the locker room, um, so I try and keep the set professional, closed, thoughtful, um, uh, you know whatever they need to make themselves you know kind of relax mm. and you know assure them that you know we have no interest in seeing anything exciting
2: yep,
1: um, and helping them find ways to show off their athleticism mm-hmm. and not show anything inappropriate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The and- Antonio Brown, just from following him on Instagram and stuff, it seemed like that shoot must have been pretty fun just because he's such a ham for the camera and everything. Uh, how is it kind of working with him?
1: Um, he's a ham. Yeah. <laughs> and he not only, you know, kind of loves the camera, but he loves social media. Yeah. So, you know, he's walking around, you know, covering himself with a towel, posting on Facebook Live. Yep. Yeah, the guy's an animal.
0: <laughs> no, it's interesting. Um, and I know you mentioned social media there. Um, one thing, you've almost become pretty well known now with your Instagram. The, uh, you kind of show uh, your sets and everything, that you, how you light things. Um, what kind of made you decide to start doing that, and how's the response been for you? Because actually, I've done a bunch of interviews now, and it's, it's come up a few times with people I've interviewed at this point.
1: Well, I was a fairly early adopter. Yep. There used to be an app that told you, you know, what number you were. And I think I was like somewhere under 100,000 years ago. And if you are sick at home and have nothing to do, you can scroll back, you know. And I was doing, doing, you know, what everybody else was doing, which is, ooh, that's pretty. I'll take a picture of it, you know. And it just wasn't that satisfying and everybody was doing it. And I kind of realized that if I show the process of my actual shoots mm. and not just take pictures of bright red stop signs against deep blue <laughs> skies, seriously. Yeah. Um then that is literally dovetailing with what I do when I lecture. Yeah. When I lecture, I show people all of the behind the scenes on how the shoot came together. Mm. You know, I really pull back the curtain and say, this is what we did to get this shot. And I just thought, well, I'm going to try that. Um, What the hell? And it started to get a lot of interest, and I really enjoyed it. And it just kind of took on a a life of its own. And simultaneously, like, Famous BTS Magazine started, and ISO 1200 started, and... Mm. um, You know, it became, you know, in the photography community, you know, kind of this behind the scenes idea and like a community of shared learning took hold. Yeah. I mean, that's one
0: thing I was going to ask you is this being like. Uh, photography is obviously a really competitive business. Um, do you feel it's like important to share your knowledge or what kind of, why do you decide to kind of share your knowledge, especially even, even doing this podcast, why would you do something like this? Because, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to show their tricks or the trade and stuff like that. What kind of makes you want to kind of share?
1: Well, <clears throat> I've always believed in sharing the knowledge. Mm. Um, I'm completely self-taught. But part of my self-teaching was calling experts and saying, how do you do this? Mm. Now, granted, this was 30 years ago, but I still call experts, yep. not necessarily phot- photographic experts, but other experts to gain knowledge. Yep. I've never believed in um, hiding what I do. I've never believed in you know, safeguarding what I do. Because I know that there's so much more Mm -hmm. that goes into it besides whether or not I use the softbox and where I put the softbox. Mm -hmm. Because what I can't possibly show on Instagram is the days and weeks of pre-production, the on-set tension of only having half an hour with my subject, the back and forth with the client about post-production. So I'm only giving a glimpse. I'm not showing people what it's like in my office. I'm not showing people how I organize my, um, database. Um, I do do that in my all day lectures, but, um, I really think the benefit honestly of elevating the profession, Of trying to impart some kind of professional workflow and standards Mm. is so important in an age in which everybody is carrying a camera.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think it's smart because, like, the photography community is real small in the grand scheme of things. And Definitely, like sharing your knowledge, and I, I do it with my friends as well. Um, We'll go back and forth and kind of tell each other how much like we're bidding on jobs and help each other out. Because then, if you kind of share awesome. that, if you share that information, you can kind of get a gauge on the market rather than like undercutting yourself and then you're undercutting yep. everyone else. Yeah. So like, and the thing about
1: yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. Yeah, the thing about photography it can be kind of isolating career where you could just like Dude. hunker down. But if you actually talk to people, it's
1: greater for everybody, I think. Dude, I think you might be inside my brain. and It's getting creepy. <laughs> um, when I lecture, I tell people, when we shot film, we all had to gather at the lab. We'd run into each other. Yep. We could see who was shooting. Mm-hmm. The film was, the process film was right behind the lab with your name on it. Yep. You might run into somebody. Mm-hmm. Digital happens, and all of those competitive tendencies got exacerbated because now it's just you and your laptop yeah. in your home or apartment or yep. office. Yep. And I have unintentionally and now intentionally tried to build a community
0: mm-hmm.
1: of photographers and assistants and interns to support each other.
0: Definitely. Huge. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. Yeah, I agree. Because I mean, I how you mentioned you've you've lectured at Santa Fe workshops, and I think you ha- you're coming up at the Palm Spring Photo Festival in like I think a month or something. Um, yes, sir. What do you enjoy about uh, lecturing at those kind of workshops, and how's your kind of response been from doing those?
1: Um, you know, the response is great. Um, I enjoy sharing. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people that said, you know, that really helped me. You know, different people tune in to different parts of the presentation. You know, something strikes a chord with, chord with you that doesn't strike a chord with somebody else. Yep. Um, uh, you know, it's it's appreciated, and I I appreciate that.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. And a couple more questions, I'll let you go. Um, one thing I was curious about, like, looking at all of your work and everything. Um, are you always satisfied with everything you do? Or do you even at this point in your career, do you feel like you still are, like, striving to, like, progress more? Or, like, are you... Already... Oh, my
1: God. I am always pushing. Yeah. Pushing. You cannot... <clears throat> you cannot rest. Yep. You cannot rest on your laurels. hmm You cannot not evolve. Yep. The analogy I like to give, and I am by no means comparing myself to these people. Yep. Giorgio Armani has to do a women's collection twice a year. He has to do a men's collection twice a year. Mm -hmm. He is scrutinized by the fashion press like a crazy person.
2: Mm.
1: Madonna, Beyonce, they are going to reinvent themselves. They're going to push Lady Gaga, great example. Yep. Reinvent, push, recreate. You know, you cannot, in certainly, in the post-digital age, do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, you can't. Nope. You've got to stay fresh. You've got to stay relevant, and that is terrifying.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have I made this analogy before, and I've said this before in a couple other podcasts, is I've always looked up to stand-up comedians because they need to be writing new jokes all the time because they can't be saying the same jokes over and over. And I've always kind of looked at the photography the same way. Like you got to be updating your portfolio every year, like always be shooting stuff like every month, every week, whatever it is. That is exactly right. That's just the kind of way I look at it. That is exactly right and even looking at your website you're you're constantly updating it um is that something that you think's very important and you kind of stay on top of this kind of keeping your website updated like it looks like you update it almost every
1: month with new stuff um this is now getting super creepy <laughs> and um i am i i'm i i hope i'm not you know making this 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 isn't a joke your questions are spot on we update try to update the entire website every two or three months yep and that could and what that means is changing out 25 30% of the imagery in every section and mm-hmm. rearranging it to keep it fresh yep. because you and I have both been to countless websites not just photographic yep but restaurants or whatever um and the website hasn't changed and you're like uh, this website hasn't changed yeah it's like are they still in business <laughs> like, right so that is hugely important yeah. yeah yeah because whether you're generating new work or circulating old work in and out of the website or both yep yeah. hugely important
0: yeah Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And uh, one thing I was kind of curious about, it's not so much a photo question, um, but kind of reading some interviews you've done before and I've watched them. You seem like someone who's very organized and like has like a routine. Are you a person that do you kind of have like a daily routine and like what are kind of some of the things you do to keep yourself organized on a daily basis? Uh, Because I think that is really important like to kind of... At least I do it. I kind of make checklists every day of stuff I need to do. Are there like certain things you do every day to kind of keep yourself organized?
1: Um, I make checklists every day. I go through old emails every day. Um, I maintain all of the systems that I've got in place. Mm. Um, I um, have broken down the business into four aspects that I talk about when I lecture yep. productions, archive marketing and financials. I check in on all of those every day. Yep. Um, I read a lot of media yep. every day. I walk my dog twice a day. Um, I'm really boring and wear the same thing <laughs> every day. Yep. Um, and, um, I have the same thing for breakfast every day. There you go. Um, Uh, and try to keep my lunches fairly consistent as well. (laughs) Um, it's not that I'm a creature of habit. It's that, um, this is a full-time gig Mm. and you can't let your guard down. And, um, I am updating the organizational systems. Like right now, sitting in my office, looking at something that I need to reorganize the minute we hang up this phone. Yep.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I think that stuff is important. Um, And then to kind of wrap up, uh, what do you think is kind of the key to your longevity in this business? Because it's hard enough just to start a photography business, but to keep doing it, I think you probably, what, over 20 years you've been doing this, more, I don't know. Um, But what do you think is kind of the key to your longevity?
1: Um, Staying interested, um, pushing myself, trying new things, um, trying to work for new clients, yep. um, bringing in new assistants, um, maintaining old relationships, um, not wanting to give up, Yeah, you know, wanting to keep going, you know, that desire.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. See where things take you, you know? And then, uh, this is my last question. Um, do you have any goals for your photography moving forward or something you kind of like to would like to pursue in the future or anything you're kind of looking forward to?
1: Um, I would like to do more personal projects. Mm. I would like to work for some entertainment clients I've never worked for. I'd like to shoot for some magazine covers I've never shot for. Yeah. yeah I got a list.
0: All right. <laughs> I am,
1: I am not satisfied.
0: <laughs> I am right. still, still hungry. Awesome. Well, that's awesome, Art. Um, well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. It was a real treat for me, and I think people will definitely enjoy this interview. And um, for people listening, um, where's the best place for them to check out your work?
1: Um, I would look at AS Pictures on Instagram. I would look at my website. Um, and that's about it um, for finding me. And honestly, your questions were really 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 thoughtful and insightful and i really really appreciated um this interview uh, no
0: thank you art i really appreciate it too and i guess we can just cut it there all right dude thank you so much all right take care Art. you have a good uh okay. rest of your week all right you too later so there you have it that was the art striber interview i want to thank art so much for taking the time to come on the podcast It was a real pleasure getting to speak with him about his experience in the photography industry. I know I learned a lot. Um, Definitely urge you guys to go check out Art's Instagram, AS Pictures on Instagram, as well as his uh, website, artstriber.com. Definitely hope you guys enjoyed that one. I know I did. And going forward, just wanted to let you know I may have a weekly podcast every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website at alexganyephoto.com and on my Instagram, at Alex photo. Thanks so much, and take care.